Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? Man, great crowd today. Um, we had a great crowd in the early service. I'm, I know. I think people just, you know, felt the need to get up a little earlier today and come worship Jesus. Either that, or it's because the Cowboys game starts at noon. I don't know. Either way, <laughs> we're okay with it. Either way, we're glad you're here. So, um, we are. In case you're wondering what the the shaker of salt's about, we're in the salt challenge right now, and that's trying to be salt in the world that we live in, instead of allowing the fears of those around us to shape the way we feel. We're trying to change the atmosphere by living in true faith in Christ and trusting Him no matter the situation. So that's the encouragement today. And today we're going to talk about something very personal, and that is um, the anxiety or um, what comes when, when other, people act, other people's actions affect us. And, you know, there are anxieties that come when we feel like that our future or uh, what we want to do or our family is dependent on what someone else does. And we're going to talk about the three different um, kind of strata there. And the first one is, you know, people that we, we see and we see how their actions affect us, but maybe we don't really know them. And that's politicians, uh, um, presidents, congressmen, uh, people, you know, maybe it's a, a, a boss if you live in a, you know, if you work in a big company or, you know, people that, that make decisions that affect you. And how do we deal with the anxiety that comes along with, with hoping that they're going to make the right decision, but maybe um, not even believing or, or knowing that they're not followers of Christ. So how do we, how do we deal with that? And we're going to start out in uh, Psalm 10. So if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles there, um, that's where we're going to start, start out. And uh, we're going to kind of go through how we're supposed to deal with each level of anxiety. And the first is going to be, you know, people that are farther away from us, more distance. And then the second one is going to be folks that are in kind of our circle. They're friends, competitors, maybe even enemies, but it's people that we know. And then the third group are going to be those that are closest to us. And how do we deal with those anxieties? And so if you don't mind, please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. We're going to begin in Psalm chapter 10, verses verse 1 through 11. Oh Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide when I'm in trouble? The wicked arrogantly hunt down the poor. Let them be caught in the evil they plan for others. For they brag about their evil desires. They praise the greedy and curse the Lord. The wicked are too proud to seek God. They seem to think that God is dead. Yet they succeed in everything they do. They do not see your punishment awaiting them. They sneer at all their enemies. They think... Nothing bad will ever happen to us. We will be free of trouble forever. Their mouths are full of cursing, lies, and threats. Trouble and evil are on the tips of their tongues. They lurk in ambush in the villages, waiting to murder innocent people. They are always searching for helpless victims. Like lions crouched in hiding, they wait to pounce on the helpless. Like hunters, they capture the helpless and drag them away in nets. Their helpless victims are crushed, they fall beneath the strength of the wicked. The wicked think God isn't watching, and he has closed his eyes and won't even see what we do. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, one of the, um, 
The advantages slash disadvantages of the day that we live in is that we have so much more information now about what's going on. And sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. You know, you think about um, 150, 200 years ago, I mean, there was a, I don't remember what year it was, but it was in the early 1900s, a massive hurricane swept across Galveston and hundreds of people lost their lives. Well, now we have advanced warning systems. We can watch it, we can track it, we know exactly what's going on. Whereas then, they were completely surprised. You know, they woke up, one day there's a hurricane right there in their face. But now we have all this warning. We know all these different things that are going on. The bad side of that is, is that, you know, people that we might have thought, you know, we had no idea what their political affiliation or what they thought about this. We know what everybody thinks about everything all the time, whether we want to or not. We know exactly what's going on in Congress. You can turn on C-SPAN and watch uh, 24 hours a day nearly, whenever somebody's up there giving a speech or doing this or doing that. It's all out there for us to see. And part of the thing I believe that creates in us is this anxiety. You know, there's a, um, this big deal now. Oh, this bill's coming up, and, and they're fixing to the vote on this, and this is going over here. And you, you, you see these, oh my gosh, that would be horrible. That can't happen. That's got to stop. And, you know, 99% of the times, those things never even get voted on. But we know everything that's happening, and there's an anxiety that comes with it of what's going to happen if this happens. What's going to happen if they vote for that? Now, I'm not advocating that we just stick our heads in the sand and not be involved in a political process or whatever else. But what I am saying is, is that we have to be careful about that fear that can come over this idea in our minds that other people can control our lives. And whether that's an elected politician, whether that's somebody down the line in a corporation you work for, a boss, uh, people that are around you, whatever that is, the, there are things that are going to happen that we don't like. And here's what the Bible tells us to do. Psalm 37, 7 through 11. It says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Okay, it sounds easy. It says, do not, pros do not fret, excuse me, because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. And so we fret and think, man, what if they get away with this? What if they're able to do this? What if this affects this? What if this causes that? And what happens is we start to fret. We start to be anxious. And one of the things that we tend to do is overemphasize the impact that other people's actions have on us. Okay, And we start thinking, man, that's really going to affect me. Well, if they pass this law, if they do this, if they decide this in this company, that's really going to change my life and make things difficult for me. And one of the things that we forget, and we're going we're to memorize a verse today. There's a verse you need, to, you need to know, okay? And it's simple. It's short. It's Romans 8, 28. And it goes like this. He works all things to the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All right, we're going to memorize that in just a second, okay? That's Romans 8, 28. Now, one, there's two key words there I think that we need to remember. He works all things, all things to good. Not some things, not most things, not, hey, good things he works to good. All things. He works all things to good. So guess what? Somebody tries to pass a law. Somebody in your corporation does something. They pass it down. A boss makes a decision. You feel like it it affects you in a negative way, guess what? God will work that thing 
for your good. He works all things to the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Say that with me. He works all things to the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Romans 8. Very good. The, see the 8 o'clock service? No, 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 it was not good. We had to go over like three or four times. I don't know, maybe they're a little slower than y'all, but whatever. Y'all did very good. I'm proud of you, 945 church service. That's awesome. So here's the deal. No matter what happens, we, should all, we need to always remember that. Okay, I'm not saying that everything is good that happens. That verse doesn't say that either. It doesn't say that everything that gets passed in D.C. is going to be good or in Austin or whatever. It doesn't say that everything that people that have some kind of influence over your life is going to be good. But what it says is that God can work and he will work all those things to your good. He'll work those things to your good. Good things, bad things. Now, that doesn't mean that it, it, it lessens sometimes the grief of tragedy or loss. But you know what it says? Is that God can use that for your good. Something happens, maybe you lose your job. Oh my gosh, it's the worst thing that could ever happen. But God can use that for good. This changes, and, and, and it's changed your job, and now you don't, you, know, it's the, you don't like it anymore. Guess what? He can work that to good. No matter what happens in life, God can work that to good in your life. Because that's what God does. That's what he does. Now, what are we supposed to do? Cease from anger and forsake wrath. You know, I'm not saying that we don't, we don't, we try to pretend like it doesn't affect us. That's being deceitful. If something happens, there's a, you know, there are laws that get passed in D.C. that really trouble me. Okay, there, there are things that people choose to do that bother me. Okay, there are things that, that affect me. Um, th those, all those things are true. But what does the Bible tell us to do? It says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Okay, now, sometimes your, your, your initial reaction is anger. And there is such a thing as righteous anger. There are certain things that are godless, that harm other people, um, certain laws that, that we should get angry about. But here's where you got to draw the line. It's fine to be angry over an action, but be careful about putting, pushing that anger from that action over onto that person. Because that becomes a dangerous spot for us. So what does it say? Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Because when we become angry at a person, what do we want to do? We want, we want them to hurt. We want to hurt them back. We want to make them feel what we feel. We want to, we want to make it cost them. But wrath is not ours. Wrath is, belongs to the Lord. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing. Now, I'm going to tell you a time where, and this was a, a big deal for, for my family and I, um, the church that I was at, and I'm not going to tell you where it was, but it's a three-letter name in Oklahoma. So anyway, y'all can figure that out maybe. But the church there had decided, you know, one of the ways they, they were, they had always had adversarial relationships with their pastors. And they decided to get to the pastor through me. So they came to me and said, hey, we're eliminating your job at the end of this year. And I said, you're firing me? No, we're just not going to have your job anymore. <laughs> just say it, man. Just say it out loud. But anyway, so here's the deal. So it was fine. Um, we were angry about it. We were upset. You know, they did a kind of a back way 
of, of trying to harm him by going through us. And there were a lot of things I could have done. You know, there was, uh, I had an opportunity. I started looking around and we were open to God leading us somewhere else. And, you know, we, we kind of waited for that. They also promised us, hey, we're going to give you this amount of severance when, when we come to that end, you know, to kind of help you move on. Because there wasn't like there was some other job in this little tiny three-letter town in Oklahoma that I was going to do besides that one. So, you know, we're, we're going to have to move. So what are we going to do now? So um, as we got towards the end of it, we got a call from a church in Arkansas that ended up being one of the greatest places we've ever served. I mean, we absolutely loved it there. And when we got ready to go, they said, oh, yeah, well, um, they reneged on paying us the severance they said they were going to pay us. And so I told them in that, in that room, I had a choice. And I said, I'm telling you, this is wrong. This is what you told me you were going to do, and now you're not doing it. But I'm going to let God decide between me and you. So I, that's all I'm going to say. So when I got up in front of the church, I said, hey, thank you all so much for allowing me to serve here. I um, hope and wish the best for you. But we are honking at, no, I just was really, I was gracious. I'm not going to, I ain't going to lie, that was hard because what I really didn't want to do was drop a hand grenade and walk out the building. But not a literal hand grenade, you know what I'm saying? Just something. <laughs> but here's what I knew. If, when you honor God and you do what's right, even when somebody does something to you that's wrong, guess what? God will honor you in return. You know what he says? He said, he will exalt you at the proper time. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you at the proper time. What did I want to do? I wanted to scream to the rafters that I had been wronged. But what I chose to do was to honor God. Now, I'm not telling you this because I've always done it the right way. Because there have been times when I've, I've done it wrong. But this time, we chose to honor God. Well, Carrie was also teaching school, and we were having to leave in the middle of a year. And... That's a little tricky thing with teacher contracts, and for those of you who are teachers, you know that. And the superintendent of the schools was not a believer and was open about that. But my wife, being my wife, and y'all know her, she, she'll always find a way to tell people about Jesus. And she had witnessed to him several times through the years. Whenever she was around him, whenever she had the opportunity, she, she talked to him about Jesus. And, you know, he loved her, uh, was respectful towards her, and he called her in the office about a week or two after this and said, hey, we heard what happened. And so we've gone back and refigured, and I had him refigured in many ways he could, what, how to pay you. And sometimes they can't ask you back for money that you got like during the summer because they, they do it over a whole year, or they did at the time. I don't know if they still do that. And so what he told us, what ended up happening was we left there with a check from the, from the school district that was bigger than the check that we would have gotten from the church at Severance. And I tell you that because our God is a good God. And so stop thinking, man, I'm going to take care of this. Forsake wrath and honor God. Even when other people are not honoring God in the way they treat you, honor Him in the way you treat them back. And when you do that, you put yourself in His hand. When you choose to take wrath for yourself, when you choose to take vengeance for yourself, then you've taken on what should be God's. And if you will trust Him, you'll see Him do things that are miraculous. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret 
Here's what fretting, you know what fretting is? It's when you just think about it over and over again. You know, somebody's wrongs and you start thinking, man, what if I, they were broke down on the side of the road and I just pulled over and said, I ain't helping you. Remember what you did to me? And then peel off. You, you have those thoughts sometimes, don't you? About being able to say that perfect thing where they're in that position where they need something from you and you can just cut them at the knees. I know y'all think about stuff like that sometimes because I do on occasion. I have. We all do. We think about the perfect thing to say. Just that delicious what we think would be that moment of revenge. But let me tell you something. That's not honoring to God. And let me tell you what happens is when we think about that over and over again, what, ha- what does fretting lead to? It leads only to evil doing. It leads only to evil doing. For evildoers will be cut off. But w- those who wait for the Lord will inherit the land. Even if somebody takes something from you, you know, they take a job you wanted or they, they take some business from you, by, by unethical means or whatever it is, you trust in the Lord and wait for Him to give you what was rightfully yours. Those who wait for the Lord will inherit the land. Yet a little while and the wicked man will be no more and you will look carefully for his place and he will not be there. Now, I should give you a little disclaimer here. When it says... Yet a little while, and the wicked man will be no more. I'm going to be honest with you. My idea of a little while doesn't always match up with God's idea of a little while. See, the Bible says this saying, which sometimes I love and sometimes I hate, that to God a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. When I'm waiting on something, I ain't all excited about that verse. God's timing is not our timing. But learn, when you give it to him, then it happens when he determines. So a little while is something for God to worry about and not for us. You will look carefully for his place and he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. So that's what we do. That's part of being salt. You know, everybody, oh, what about... Man, these guys, they're going to ruin America. They're going to kill us all. We're going to have blah, 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 blah. Hey, guess what? My God ain't worried about what's happening in Washington. He can provide for us. We can be salt and light. Now, I'm not saying we just divorce ourselves from from what's happening and, and, and don't be a part of the political process. Do what you can. But ultimately, our trust, there is nobody you could trust enough to go to Washington that can fix everything. You understand what I'm saying? There's only one Savior given to us by God, and that's Jesus. Trust in the one who can save you. And trust in Him, okay? Be salt. Now, when it comes from the people that we know, you know, those are folks that maybe are faceless and nameless or whatever. Maybe we know who they are, but we don't really know them. Now let's go to the people that we're around. You know, people that, uh, you know, maybe your kids go to school with their kids or, or, you know, their friends, or maybe they're just acquaintances or or whatever. Maybe they're enemies because they've decided to be your enemy. Whatever it is, what do we do with those that are close to us? Here's what the Bible tells us. You know, there's different kinds of groups there. Number one, sometimes lost people just act like lost people. Period. 
You know, you, you can't expect that people who don't know Christ to treat you in a Christian manner. But too many times we kind of do. But that's just how they act and how they are. So what are we supposed to do with them? Well, you're going to hell for sure. No. You know what Jesus did? Guess what he did? When he was hanging on the cross and the people that were down there that put him there were taunting him from the ground, telling him, hey, if you really are the Son of God, why don't you get down from the cross? You know what Jesus said? But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. Those are the words of Christ. Now, as believers, there are going to be times where unbelievers are going to do things that hurt us. And what do we do in that? See, there's a, there, our reaction is really critical at that point. Because if you react to them on the same plane, well, they did this, so I'm going to do it back. Guess what? You've blown your witness. You never know. You might have the opportunity to lead that person to Jesus someday. The way you respond may allow someone else to lead them to Christ. We need to be careful about how we respond. Jesus told him, Jesus told his, his followers, hey, guess what? Some of them aren't going to like you. Because you belong to me, he said. That's part of life. Now, I get it. It's one thing when it's us, but it's a whole other thing like when they do something to hurt our kids' feelings or do something to them, right? Then, hey, all bets are off. No. You know what happens when we refuse to forgive someone that has hurt our child? Is we're teaching our child that they don't have to forgive anybody that hurts them either. Now, I get it. It can hurt. But ultimately, you have to swallow that and determine, I, I need to take this moment and teach my child what grace means and what real love means. Do you think that Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing, was that weakness or was that strength? If you want to teach your kids strength, you teach them that this is how you act. This is who you are. And nobody else has the power to change that. That's strength. Now, I understand there's, there's an extra thing when you see your kid hurt, their feelings or whatever. And I'm not saying, you know, y'all understand, I'm not talking about, there's some hurts that are extreme. Yeah, I get that. I'm not talking about those. Even those we got to forgive. But we need to teach our children to forgive those that have hurt them. And we need to show the way. It's a hard lesson, but it's a life-changing lesson. There was, a, there was a wicked slave who had racked up like $50 million in debt to this man in town. And he made like, you know, a dollar a year. So he had zero chance they were paying that back. So the, the master calls him in and says, hey, man, you owe me $50 million. He said, well, I got a dollar. <laughs> that ain't enough. And so he begged and pleaded for forgiveness of his debt. You know what the master did? Forgave it all. Just wiped it off the books. And then you know what that dude did? He went out and found somebody that owed him 10 cents and had him beat up and thrown into prison because he couldn't pay him back. 
Well, the master heard about that. And then summoning him, this is in Matthew 18, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? You see, here's something we always got to remember. We're sinners. And when we choose not to forgive a hurt that someone else committed against us, what is that saying to a God who forgave us of sins that required our death? We were forgiven death because of what Jesus did for us. And that was not a cheap forgiveness. It cost. It cost God sending His own Son. You know what? That's something to remember. Somebody hurts our kids and we've got to teach them how to forgive. God forgave the very ones that hung His Son on the cross. And I know if you, I'm not talking about them dudes that were there 2,000 years ago. You know who hung Jesus on the cross? I did. And you did. Because he needed to die for my sins and for yours so that I could be set free. Now here's something, the last part I want you to hear. And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. Now Jesus is talking, my heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. You see, God commands us to forgive. And you know what? He has the right to tell us that because he forgave us. You see, we're, we're not the, the, the slave that owed 10 cents. We're the slave that owed $50 million that we could never, ever, ever repay. No matter what we did, we couldn't come close to repaying that. And God wiped it off the books. So when we refuse to, to forgive someone else that's harmed us, what is that saying to God who wiped our debt off the books? Now I understand forgiveness is hard. Difficult. And there may be circumstances where there's forgiveness, but there's still a boundary. But we still, we're still called to forgive. And most things, we need to do as best we can. You know what the Bible tells? As much as you're able, be at peace with all men. Are you at peace with the people that have hurt you? Are you at peace with the people that, hurt, that you hurt? If you need to go and extend forgiveness, extend forgiveness. And for most things, particularly if they're still around you and still in your circle, show some love to them. Forget about whether they deserve it or not. They don't. Neither do you. That's the message. So learn how to love people. Now, I get it. There are some extreme circumstances, of hurt, abuse, where you need to forgive them but do it from afar and set some boundaries. But most of the hurts that we have, we exaggerate them in our minds a little bit, don't we? We make them out to be worse than they really are. And when we compare them to our sins, they're really not that bad at all. On the extreme ones, 
yeah, set some boundaries, keep some distance if you need to, but you need to forgive them too, even if it's from a distance. But the people that we forgive that are close, that are, that are in our circle, act like you've forgiven them. And love them. Romans 12, 19 through 21, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, that's talking about the extreme circumstances. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But you know what you do to, to those people that have hurt you that are nearby? Here's what it says. But if your enemy's hungry, feed him. You're in a drive-thru and you see somebody behind you that hurts you. You know what you want? Can I say their bag for a minute? Here, you can give it to them now. You know what the Bible says to do? Pay for their food. Just tell them, hey, would you just tell them I wanted to bless them today? People that have hurt you. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him a drink. That doesn't mean if he's walking down the road, going, oh, you just roll down the window and chuck a bottle of water at him. Give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will keep burning coals on his head. Now here's the important part. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. If you can't do that to the people that are just kind of on the outer circle, you're definitely not going to be able to do it for the people that are closest to you. And here's something I'm going to tell you right now. Some of the people that are closest to you are going to hurt you. They're going to betray you. There's going to come a time. And you're going to have two responses. Number one, you can forgive them, and you can go on opening up your heart to people, or you can choose not to forgive them. And if you choose not to forgive them, let me tell you what you'll do. Is you'll stop opening up your heart to where other people can hurt you. And both of those things are ultimately going to harm you. Did you know this? David, who was called a man after God's own heart, one of his closest friends betrayed him. If that's not enough for you, you do know that Jesus, who was a perfect man, never sinned against anybody. One of his closest friends betrayed him as well. And Jesus knew he was going to betray him before he ever even knew it himself. Psalm 55, 12 through 14, For it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me who has exalted himself against me. Then I could hide myself from him. But it is you, a man my equal, my companion and my familiar friend. We who had sweet fellowship together walked in the house of God in the throng. It's difficult forgiving people that are closest to you. It's difficult moving on and continuing to love people. When Jesus, he was telling the disciples about what was coming, when Jesus had said this, he became troubled in spirit and testified and said, truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. This was a while before it happened. He knew. He knew all along. Now I want you to hear something. To me, this is one of the most amazing verses. 
the disciples began looking at one another at a loss to know of which one he was speaking. Even though Jesus knew when he called Judas that Judas was going to betray him. And see, that's the thing. Some of the people that you love right now are going to betray you. And you have a choice about how you're going to act and love towards people. You've been betrayed in the past? Know it right now. There's going to be somebody else going to do it. But if we're going to follow the example of Jesus, you know what Jesus did? He loved people no matter what. He didn't hold back. Hey, if it had been me and I knew that, nobody would have had to look around going, who could it be? They would have all known. Because I'd have dropped a hint or two through the years, wouldn't you? Hey, Judas, could you hand me the butter knife? Hey, man, don't stab me in the back, traitor. I wouldn't have been able to help myself. But you know what? Jesus loved him so well that nobody had a clue that he was the one that was going to betray him. If you've been betrayed, are you loving the people around you right now so well that they know your heart's really open? That's a real test right there. Well, how many times I got I mean, they've done it more than once. Peter came to him and to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Peter thought he was being really generous. You know, seven's a holy number. It's the perfect number. I mean, I'm willing to forgive him seven times, Jesus. I mean, I'm pretty spiritually deep. Jesus said to him, I did not say to you up to seven times. He's probably going, cool, how many, one? But up to 70 times seven. And for those of you who are trying to multiply that in your head, some of y'all already got it. I still can't figure it out. I've preached this twice already because of math, you know, whatever. Jesus wasn't saying that's a number that you can stop forgiving people. That's a number spiritually of infinity. Well, you don't know what they've done to me. Okay. You know, one of the things that I find interesting about that verse Nowhere in there does Jesus say, as long as they ask forgiveness in the right way. I mean, we don't get to do that. Well, I know they said they were sorry, but they didn't mean it. You could tell. I wasn't sincere. Didn't mean that at all. It doesn't, it doesn't even say they got to ask for forgiveness. Now, I'm going to, hey, if they come and steal your, truck, steal your truck without your permission and then go wreck it and total it somewhere, don't give them the keys to your truck again once you got another one, okay? Trust has to be earned. Forgiveness should be free. You, you understand that? Forgiveness is free. You see, here's what it comes down to. How are we going to tell people that the forgiveness that God offers is free when our forgiveness has to be earned. You see, forgiveness is free. Now, here's the last verse. Key verse. All these things come down to this one thing. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So why is that the last verse? 
Because guess what? Everything you're ang angry about or hurt by somebody else, you've done that to somebody else. Whether you meant to or you did it on purpose or it was somewhere in between. Because every single one of us have hurt people that we love. We've hurt people that were just acquaintances. Maybe we didn't know it. Maybe we did know it and we didn't care. Maybe we decided that what was best for our kid outweighed what they wanted for theirs. Maybe we decided that, you know what? What we need now is more important than what somebody else needs. Maybe we said something. Maybe there was love in it. Maybe not. Maybe a little bit of both. But every single one of us in here has hurt people we love. See, that's the key thing. We've all sinned. We've all hurt people. We've all said things, done things we shouldn't. And here's the good part. God forgave us for free for all those hurts. And so learn to give forgiveness for free. Now, trust is a different thing. I understand that. That's the way it should be. But forgiveness is always free. Learn to forgive. It's part of being salt and light. You know, there's nothing that has stood out to me whenever you see these cases where someone has done something and taken the life of another person that has more impact than when the victim's family or even the victim of something says, I forgive them. Let me tell you something. When you, you hear somebody say something like that over something that's that severe, that didn't just come from, from here. It came from here with Jesus being in here. Because that's a whole another level of love and forgiveness, isn't it? And it speaks to the world. And that's part of how we show that we're salt is by forgiving. So forgive people. And don't be anxious. You don't even have to worry about, well, I wonder if somebody's going to hurt me. Yeah, they are. It will. But our cause to forgive. You know, some of you, if you've never experienced Jesus' forgiveness, the, the, the forgiveness that comes from God through a relationship with Christ, we want you to have the opportunity to have that today. Because I'm telling you, there is no, there is no kind of forgiveness that compares to that. There's nothing like having the burden of sin lifted from your shoulders because of God's forgiveness. You see, God knew we were, we were going to sin, and He loved us anyway. And He sent His Son to die on the cross. And there's three things that we got to do. Number one, we got to admit we're sinners, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Our sin separated us from God, so God sent Jesus. Jesus was his only son. Jesus wasn't just a man. He was God in the flesh. He died on the cross 
for your sins and for mine. And He rose on the third day according to Scripture. As a result of that, we have the opportunity to know Him and to be forgiven through a relationship with Him. And to do that, you've got to confess Him as Savior and Lord. You've got to profess your belief in who He is, what He's done for you, and that He's going to be Lord of your life. And that means that you're, you're, you're choosing to follow Him for the rest of your days. Now, we all fail at that. But God's a gracious and a loving God. He knew you were going to fail, fail before you were born. But He loved you anyway. If you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, if you'd like to know you're in right relationship with God, and if you'd like to know that that right relationship is going to last forever into eternity in heaven with Him, I want to lead you in just a brief prayer of salvation. So if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you can pray this prayer with me. It's a prayer of introduction. And it really is this simple. It's not always easy, but it's simple. He did for you what you could not do for yourself. And so I'm going to pray this prayer. And if you'd like to pray it with me, you can repeat it after me. Pray it in your heart. God will hear you. Or you can pray it in your own words. But pray it with me now. If everyone will bow your heads and close your eyes. Dear God in heaven, Thank you for loving me. Thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and life. And cleanse me. Today, I trust Jesus as my Savior. And I confess Him as my Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, here's all I'm going to ask you to do. You don't have to stand up. You don't have to say anything. I just want you to look up at me and keep looking until, until I make eye contact with you. So you look up at me right now if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it. Okay? All right? Okay? All right, let's see. Now, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I would encourage you to let one of us know, a staff member or, or someone here at church, know that you made that decision. We would love to answer any questions you have about it, and we'd also love to talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. There's different ways you can do this. Number one, there's a number on the screen. You can just text, I did it, and we'll set up a time to talk to you, whether by text or in person answer any questions and talk to you about the next step, just pray for you, pray with you. Or if you'd rather, there'll be a staff member here at the front in a few moments. You can come up after the service and tell them, hey, I prayed that prayer. And we'll either do it today or we can set up another time to talk with you about what it means to follow Jesus and answer any questions that you have. You don't have to be a part of this church. It's bigger than that. God has a kingdom and it's about kingdom things and not about our church. We're just glad that we could be a part of this decision in your life. We're not going to ask anything from you. We're not going to put you on a mailing list. We just want to help you take, take those next steps in following Jesus. So right now, I want to pray for you. 
We pray for all of us that God would help us to be forgiving and loving as we follow him. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for those that have come today and professed faith in you. Father, I pray you would show yourself to them through your word and through other believers. Father, help us as a church to guide them in the next steps of following you. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be a part of their faith journey. Lord, help all of us, Father, to forgive and to love those that hurt us. Father, help us to be you to them. Father, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.